Well, good morning. It is Thursday, November 16th, 2023. Thursday, November 16th, 2023. Slava Ukraine. Heroium Slava. We got a lot of stuff to go through today. Uh, PVTV, Political Views TV podcast, including the maybe the final gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> we'll hear more about it, I'm sure. Uh, PVTV, Political Views TV podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Uh, tell your friends to Google Political Views TV podcast and also right at the top of the search. Uh, can I just say how much I appreciate you so much? It's really nice of you to come. In case I haven't told you that, thank you for listening. If you can, please bring someone with you today or tomorrow. Uh, and you can tweet to me or X to me, whatever it is to me, uh, questions or insights or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S. Uh, by the way, that's uh, in case you were ever curious, my favorite comic book character from from a very young age was Cyclops. And we're on the internet, Cyber, Cyberclops. Yeah, that's why I chose that name. Anyway, let's start as we usually do with the war in Ukraine at the EU. The European Commission proposed a ban on imports of diamonds and liquid petroleum gas from Russia and also tightened implementation of a price cap on Russian oil as part of its 12th package of sanctions against Moscow. The argument, uh, excuse me, the agreement needs to uh, the unanimous backing of all 27 EU states. Hungary is a problem. Hungary's uh, European Affairs Minister, Janos Boka, said of a period of reflection and strategic discussion on the policy of European Union uh, towards Ukraine was needed and that Budapest would not support any EU decision to advance Ukraine's accession process. This is separate from, you know, from the vote for the, uh, uh, for the ban of diamonds and, you know, the, the sanctions package. But anyway, yeah. Maria Zakharova, spokesman for the Russian Foreign Ministry, said the EU had become Washington's useful idiot and that the sanctions package against Russia was part of a hybrid war being waged against it, meaning Russia, by Western countries led by the United States. The UK's new foreign secretary, David Cameron. Uh, by the way, David Cameron is back in. Did I tell you that? I probably didn't tell you that because I'm, I'm like, you know, it just happened. <sighs> yeah, I whatever. He was in Kyiv yesterday, marking his first visit to Ukraine since taking up the role on on, uh, Monday. Announcing the visit, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky said the pair had a good meeting focused on weapons for the front line, strengthening air defense, and protecting our people and critical infrastructure, as he said. Uh, Cameron said in a statement uh, released by the British government, As Foreign Secretary, supporting Ukraine against Putin's aggression is vital, which is why I am pleased to make this my first visit as Secretary of State. Uh, Russia thinks it can wait this war out and that the West will eventually turn its attention elsewhere. This could not be further from the truth. In my first discussions with President Zelensky in my new role, I made clear that the UK and our partners will support Ukraine and its people for as long as it takes for them to achieve victory. Uh, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said today the Russian naval fleet was forced to retreat 
from the eastern uh, part of the Black Sea. The eastern part is, of course, that's right around Crimea and uh, the uh, Kerch Strait, and south of there, even. Um, Zelensky said on Telegram, we were able to intercept Russia's initiative in the Black Sea and create such security conditions that forced the aggressor to flee from the eastern part of the water area and try to hide warships. As one of the main results of our actions, Russia is unable to use the Black Sea as a springboard to destabilize other regions around the world. There is something he didn't say, and that is that uh, also Ukraine would have trouble using the eastern part of the Black Sea. Quite a bit of trouble. Where am I? What is going on here? Okay. Uh, Most people don't want to be in Russia. I would say that. I'm sorry. I'm I'm shuffling digital papers. Don't mind me. Uh, Finland's prime minister has announced that his country will close some crossings on the border with Russia. Finland has seen a surge in illegal crossings from Russia in recent days, uh, mostly from third uh, country citizens. In other words, people of other countries that go through Russia. Uh, PM Petero Orpo said four crossing points in the south would close at midnight on Friday, while two in the north would stay open for asylum applications. Orpo accuses Russia of deliberately helping people with proper documents to get to the border. A Ukrainian civic group said it had confirmed the deaths of nearly 25,000 Ukrainian soldiers since Russia began its full-scale invasion in February 2022. Um... Uh, invasion by uh, by using open sources. Uh, writing in the Ukrainian journal Tizden, historian Yaroslav Tinchenko and volunteer Herman Shapovalenko said Shapovalenko's book of memory project had confirmed 24,500 combat and non-combat deaths using open sources. Kiev treats its losses as a state secret, and officials say disclosing the figure could harm its war effort. Still, 25,000, considerably less than Russian losses. I'll say that. Man, I hope you're going to have a good day today. I always stop and wish you a good day when I'm drinking coffee. Taking a break. Russian state arms exporter Rozo Boron Export told a state news agency TASS it had seen a serious increase in interest overseas in its Lancet drone, but would not be re- exporting the weapon because Russian armed forces need uh, for it is high. Uh, the munition, the drone, has proven itself, uh, uh, he said, uh, proven itself, the spokesperson said, itself excellent in real combat operations. Russian forces say they are inflicting heavy losses on Ukrainian troops that crossed over the Dnipro uh, River to the eastern bank. Russia confirmed that Ukrainian units had crossed the Dnipro and conceded that its forces had initially been outnumbered. Since then, however, it had brought in additional forces and that it would inflict hell on Ukrainian units. Vladimir Saldo. And of course, when Russia says they have more units there to scare uh, um, Ukrainian troops, you can believe them. 
Uh, Vladimir Salda, the Russian-installed governor of the occupied part of the Kherson region, said, In Krinky, our military is now destroying the enemy on the largest scale. Uh, the local governor, Alexander Prokudin, said earlier today, one person has died and four others have been wounded by Russian shelling on the town of Bilozerka uh, in uh, the Kherson Oblast. Uh, in a telegram post via Google Translate, he said one man had been pulled out from under the rubble from a house that was affected in the attacks. Those injured have been taken to the hospital. The governor said residential buildings and a grocery store had been hit, as well as important infrastructure. We don't know what that infrastructure is, but I know power is out in the town and surrounding towns. Uh, to rescue, uh, excuse me, two rescue workers were killed and seven people injured amid Russian shelling in the Zaporizhia region. Interior Minister Igor Klemenko said two members of the state emergency service were killed after Russia launched a second attack while they were responding to the first, which is, you know, that's what terrorists do. Uh, they wait until uh, responders get in, you know, uh, fire and rescue and stuff like that, and then they bomb it again because that's a terrorist act. It was not clear where the incident took place. Earlier, the region's governor, Yuri Malashko, said at least one person had been killed and seven injured after Russia fired three rockets. Moving on, now that I have your attention, let's move on and try and fix the rest of the world. It looks like the Biden-she meetup went pretty well, considering she is a dictator. Biden said... While he was talking to reporters, well, look, he's a dictator in the sense that he's is a guy who runs a country that is a communist country that's based on a form of government totally different than ours. When asked about Biden's latest comment at today's Chinese foreign minister briefing, spokesperson uh, Mao Ning called it extremely erroneous and and irresponsible political maneuver, which Chinese. Uh, China firmly opposes. She said, what needs to be pointed out is that there will always be some people with ulterior motives attempting to undermine China-U.S. relations. They will not succeed Not succeed in doing so. Uh, Beijing responded furiously over the summer when the president made a similar comment and compared his Chinese counterpart, Xi, counterpart Xi Jinping to dictators in June. At the time he was talking about the balloon, Biden said, the reason why Xi Jinping got very upset in terms of when I shot uh, that balloon down with two boxcars full of spy equipment in it is he didn't know it was there. No, I'm serious. That's what uh, that's what's a great embarrassment for dictators when they didn't know what happened. Yeah, he called him out as a dictator. Remember that? We did that. Uh, beyond the one step forward, two steps back of Biden's mouth, it looks like there will be some good out of the meeting, including a phone line between uh, the militaries. Open communication is important. Uh, also, uh, uh, about the the precursor drugs for the for the uh, uh, drug problem we have here, the of uh, being imported from China, uh, those are supposedly going to be cracked down on. 
Uh, Biden also wished uh, the Chinese leader's wife a happy birthday during their talks. Apparently his birthday and hers are the same. Well, you know, minus 20 years. <clears throat> and and she, uh, she thanked him because he, he had forgotten her birthday. Uh, during the talks, she called on the United States to not scheme to suppress or contain China. She said China has no plans to suppress or unseat the United States, and the United States should not scheme to suppress or contain China. And China's economy has hit a wall, so they need the United States. Uh, She said both sides should understand each other's principles and bottom lines, not make or stir up trouble or cross boundaries, Eh, but instead communicate more, have more dialogue and more discussions, and handle differences and accidents calmly. Uh, boundaries? Duh. Which is, you know, this is what Biden wants, what he said. But but the boundaries? Doesn't she want to stir up a little bit on Taiwan's boundaries? I don't know. Uh, China's new st- uh, state news agency, uh, Xinhua, said the two leaders emphasized the need for m- mutual respect peaceful coexistence, maintaining communication and conflict prevention. Uh, anybody else, whenever they hear the term peaceful coexistence, especially from China, because they say use it all the time, do they think of that Star Trek episode with the trills? Anyway. Now it's time to call out Biden and the DNC. Uh, this, I would believe... Uh, If it was during the Trump administration, I would be more apt to believe this actually happened. But the Biden administration? Doing this to protesters will not be good for the election. Late yesterday in D.C., there was an interfaith protest calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. The protest was outside of where top Democratic lawmakers gathered for a candidate event inside the headquarters of the party's national committee. Organizers of the protest said that shortly after demonstrators locked arms and obstructed the entrance to the Democratic National Committee building, police, including some in riot gear, rushed them without warning and used brute force to remove activists from the area. U.S. Capitol Police used pellet guns and pepper spray. Democrats just want Trump to get elected, don't they? At least 100 demonstrators were injured during the police response, including one person who was pushed over the railing onto their head. Uh, Sumaya Awad, a member of the New York City Democratic Socialist of America, said the Democratic Party just showed exactly how it feels about its voters. The Israeli military just stormed a hospital in Gaza. Airstrikes have killed over 4,500 children and water is running out. Over 80% of the Democratic voters are demanding a ceasefire and brought that message of peace to party leadership, who responded by unleashing an incredibly violent police attack on them. And you know what? I don't think it's 80%, but it's high. I think it's like 70%. I think that's a little bit pushing one one way. But 70% is still high. A semaphore reporter who was at the protest refuted claims from some lawmakers, including Democratic Representative Brad Sherman, right here in California, and Republican Republican Senator Marco Rubio from Florida, that demonstrators tried to storm the DNC headquarters. 
Marco Rubio? What's he doing getting in on this? Uh, if not now, said in a statement, the group, it's, it's if not now, one word, said in a statement that protesters were pepper sprayed, dragged by the hair, hit with police bikes, choked, kicked, punched in the face, and tackled to the pavement. Beth Miller, political director of Jewish Voice for Peace Action, said tonight hundreds of peaceful anti-war activists came to the DNC to call for an end to bombs and violence in order to save Palestinian and Israeli lives. They were met with brutal assaults by the police. The Democrats need to decide, will they stand on the side of peace and justice or will they continue to support war and genocide? And now, of course, Democrats across, across the U.S., will begin to turn their backs on the DNC that would do this. People are angry. People are saying, you know what? I won't vote for Trump or whoever the Republican is, but I'm not going to show up to vote. When that starts happening, we know what happens. Democrats lose. So Biden needs to get on top of this and he needs to do it now. Uh, Israel is considering a proposal that would see Hamas release a portion of the hostages that Palestinian militant group is holding in the Gaza Strip in exchange for a three- to five-day ceasefire. Aid would also be permitted into Gaza during a cessation of hostilities. Under the proposed deal, Hamas would release an unknown number of women and children. The children are being prioritized as part of the first group for a potential hostage release aimed at ultimately bringing home the roughly 240 hostages that were taken during the October 7th attack on Israel by Hamas militants. Yesterday, President Biden said that the U.S. Be believed there were somewhere between 50 and 100 hostages in Gaza. So far, only four of the captives, two Americans and two Israelis, have been released by Hamas. During those releases, short-term targeted pauses in the in the fighting helped ensure safe transfers of the hostages back to Israel. As part of the proposal, an unspecified number of Palestinian women and children currently held in Israel, prisons could also be released. Yes, Israel jails women and children. They do. Uh, if there was a final deal, this particular long-standing Hamas demand for Palestinian prisoners to be released would be part of it. It was unclear how many Palestinian prisoners could be involved, according to Israeli human rights groups, uh, B'Tisalem. There were 147 minors in Israeli custody as of June. Among the hostages, there are 10 unaccounted for Americans, according to the State Department. In a disclosure meant to add pressure to the process, the White House revealed this week that a three-year-old girl, a U.S. citizen, was among those believed to be held in Gaza. I've been watching the news about that. It's kind of difficult. Uh, one complication in these final stages of the talks has been Hamas. Uh, Hamas's inability to account for each of the hostages it is either believed to be holding or able to find. Israel is stipulating that that accounting be part of the process. Other militant groups in Gaza may be holding some of the captives Israel's demand for a full accounting of the hostages has been complicated by the fact that the captives are spread out across the war zone and are being held by various groups, subgroups of Hamas. 
After his meeting with Xi Jinping, Biden said he was working daily on how I can help, as he said, on how I can be helpful in getting the hostages released and have a period of time where there's a pause long enough to let it happen. He said he was doing everything he could to ensure the safe return, but made it clear he did not mean the U.S. was considering sending its own military forces. Uh, Israel opposition leader Yair Lapid has called on PM Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to step down immediately amid Israel's indiscriminate bombardment of Gaza in response to Hamas' October 7th attack. Lapid called for a no-confidence vote in Parliament that would allow for the inform- uh, for the formation of a new government led by another prime minister. I, again? How many times do we have to do this? I, I mean, they, they did it like three times in five years, right? Yesterday, Lapid said in an interview with an Israeli news channel, Netanyahu should leave immediately. We need change. Netanyahu cannot remain prime minister. I would agree with that. Uh, Lapid accuses Netanyahu and the security apparatus under his leadership of an unpardonable failure for not preventing the October 7th attack. He said, we cannot allow ourselves to carry out a long campaign under a prime minister who has lost the people's trust. This is the first time Lapid has called for Netanyahu to step down, saying that the situation does not warrant early elections. Rather, the parties should opt for a national reconstruction with another prime minister from Netanyahu's Likud party. In a statement posted to Telegram, Likud, the party, immediately rebuffed the call, saying such a proposal in a time of war was shameful, which is what many dictators would say. Uh, The U.S. Senate took the House spending bill and passed it so they could send it to uh, Biden's desk for him to sign tomorrow. The 87 to 11 vote marked the end of this year's third fiscal standoff in Congress. Lawmakers have bought themselves just a little bit, uh, a little more time uh, uh, than a little bit more than two months breathing room. Uh, The Democratic majority Senate and Republicans controlled House of Representatives. Uh, Next deadline is January 19th, just days after the Iowa caucuses. Democratic Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said prior to the vote, no drama, no delay, no government shutdown. Republicans said they were eager to avoid the risk of shutdown, which would have closed national parks and disrupted everything from scientific research to financial regulation. But hardline members of Johnson's 221 to 213 Republican majority voiced anger at the compromise, saying they would try to rein in federal spending again when current funding expires. Remember, put it past Christmas. That way you don't have to take away much needed aid to the poor during Christmas. The legislation would extend funding for military construction, veterans' benefits, transportation, housing, urban development, agriculture, the Food and Drug Administration, and energy and water programs through January 19th. Funding for all other federal operations, including defense, would expire on February 2nd. So, the recent news on Trump's plans, if you remember, is that Trump, if he becomes president, is going to go after his political enemies. But that isn't new news, is it? 
You remember his first impeachment and the uh, Ukraine debacle? He told Zelensky that he wanted him to open an investigation into Hunter Biden. So do you think he wasn't pushing for other investigations into his political enemies back then? Don't be so naive. But with his recent claims of what he will do in the future, may have made Hunter Biden's lawyers question the case. Hunter Biden is asking a federal judge for permission to subpoena former President Donald Trump, former Attorney General Bill Barr, and other Justice Department officials in his criminal gun case. Biden's lawyers wrote to the judge, Mr. Biden seeks specific information from three former Department of Justice officials and the former president that goes to the heart of his defense that this is possibly a vindictive or selective prosecution arising from an unrelenting pressure campaign beginning in the last administration in violation of Mr. Biden's Fifth Amendment rights under the Constitution. Is he speaking of his right to a fair trial? And if that's the reason, shouldn't the lawyers also be mentioning the Fourth Amendment? In addition to Trump and Barr, Hunter Biden also wants to subpoena former acting attorney general Jeffrey Rosen and Richard Donahue, who served as acting deputy attorney general from December 2020 through the end of Trump's term. This uh, proposed subpoenas would require the four recipients to turn over any documents in their position, possession from the start of the Trump's term to now that relate to Hunter Biden, particularly any materials discussing any formal or informal investigation or prosecution of him. The attorney said of the materials, it would be material to Mr. Biden's defense if pressure had been placed on prosecutors to investigate or charge Mr. Biden for political reasons based on who he is and not on any conduct for which there is probable cause to believe he engaged in. The lawyers pointed to a plethora of concerning public statements from Trump calling for an investigation or possible prosecution of Mr. Biden, both while in office and since leaving. They argued his statements necessitate and provide ample justification for this set of requests for documents, communications, and personal records relating to or concerning Mr. Biden. And the requests are going all the way back to early 2017. That's a lot of documents. But but wait, are these attorneys saying that Trump's opening his mouth got him in trouble again? What? I'm shocked. The attorneys also said, moreover, each of the former Department of Justice officials from whom Mr. Biden now seeks documents had known contacts with had known contacts with then President Trump concerning Mr. Biden. And according to now public IRS investigative case files, each of these officials interacted in one capacity or another with the teams investigating Mr. Biden, either in Delaware or elsewhere. Oh, I can't wait to see what happens and if they are allowed to go and get this stuff. That would be interesting. Uh, Speaking of, as we discussed yesterday, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis has requested a protective order for evidence in the criminal election interference cases against Donald Trump and his co-defendants. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee said in a hearing on the proposed order, until we decide what's going 
to be relevant and admissible, this case should be tried and not in the court of public opinion. He has issued a protective order barring the public release of sensitive evidence exchanged between prosecutors and lawyers representing former President Donald Trump and his co-defendants in their election interference criminal case in that state. At yesterday's hearing, attorney Jonathan Miller, who is representing defendant Misty Hampton, told McAfee that he gave the videos to one media outlet. He did not say which one. Miller said the public had the right to know what the four co-defendants had told the Fulton County District Attorney's Office, arguing that the statements they made helped my client. Tom Clyde, a lawyer for a group of media companies, argued against the protective order, saying it was not justified by Georgia law. Clyde said that a key issue in the case, the, le the legitimacy of the 2020 election, is extremely significant in public importance, and that certain evidence related to it should not be subject to an order automatically barring its release to the public. And the judge so far did not agree. Uh, related to all this, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis wants the bond revoked for Trump co-defendant Harrison Floyd after he allegedly attempted to intimidate witnesses in a slew of social media posts. Yesterday afternoon, Willis filed a motion alleging Floyd committed numerous in, uh, intentional and flagrant violations of the conditions of release ordered by the court. The bond prevents Floyd from communicating directly or indirectly with co-defendants and witnesses. Prosecutors allege that Floyd attempted to intimidate several people involved in the case through public posts on formerly known as Twitter. The post primarily involved former Fulton County elections worker Ruby Freeman. Floyd charges in the election case stem from his alleged involvement in the plot to get Freeman to falsely admit she committed election fraud. Others mentioned in Floyd's post include uh, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, former Trump attorney Jenna Ellis, attorney uh, Sidney Powell, and Georgia election official Gabe Sterling. The DA's motion reads, Witness Ruby Freeman has been a frequent target of the defendant's intimidating communications. Because of and in response to the defendant's intimidating communications, Witness Ruby Freeman has been the subject of renewed threats of violence from third parties. Floyd's attorney, Christopher J. Uh, uh, Katcheroff, said, I This is his defense. I believe that Fannie... Uh, doesn't like Harrison Floyd because he's a black conservative. She's treating him differently. In my opinion, it's gone too far. When McAfee takes up the motion, if the bond is revoked, Floyd will be ordered to return to jail, which I look forward to. Attorneys for f former President Donald Trump are demanding a mistrial be declared in his New York fraud case, claiming that, that the judge and his clerk have subjected the defendants to tangible and overwhelming bias and unfair treatment. In the filing, Trump's attorneys claim that the court has abrogated its constitutional responsibility to ensure each defendant, including President Trump, receives a fair trial, free from even the, dis, dis, uh, the appearance of impropriety and impartiality. Wait a minute. Which is kind of funny because this is Hunter Biden's argument to subpoena Trump and his people. Are they trying to copy the work of Hunter Biden's attorneys? Hey, eyes on your own paper. <laughs> Trump and his attorneys have repeatedly 
repeatedly accused the judge of favoring New York Attorney General Letitia James, a Democrat. Angeron is also a a Democrat. He was appointed by then-Governor Andrew Cuomo to the New York Supreme Court, First Judicial District in 2013, after previously serving as a judge on the New York Civil Court. He ran unopposed for the position in 2015 and is serving a 14-year term. He's not going away anytime soon. The mistrial motion also accuses Angeron's law clerk, Allison Greenfield, of bias and co-judging the case. Greenfield, who is also a Democrat, typically sits next to the judge during pretrial hearings. She often questioned attorneys for the two sides herself. She and lawyers for Trump had many heated exchanges over the course of the case. The motion cites the clerk's name eight times, including references to her social media accounts, and they refer to the principal law clerk 44 times. But the law was violated. I I fail to see what this has to do with anything. I, I, I mean, they've already decided that they violated the law. A spokesperson for the Attorney General's office said in a statement, once again, Donald Trump is trying to dismiss the truth and the facts, but the numbers and evidence don't lie. He can keep trying to distract from his fraud, but the truth always comes out. Yesterday morning, the judge only acknowledged the mistrial uh, request briefly, asking the government if it planned to respond. The decision, New York prosecutors said, would come by Thursday. If they respond, they will do so with proposed schedule order that would suggest how long the judge might take to rule on this. So we shall see uh, today, I guess. In the gift that keeps on giving... Republican Representative George Santos, he's announced he will not seek re-election next year. (laughs) Following the Ethics Committee's release today of its long-awaited report, uh, they just released it this morning. Gee, I wonder why. We'll get to that. The report concluded that there is substantial evidence that the New York congressman used campaign funds for personal purposes. The report said Santos engaged in knowing and willful violations with regard to financial disclosure statements filed with the House and knowingly caused his campaign committee to file false or incomplete reports with the Federal Elections Commission. A statement from the committee accompanying the report said the panel unanimously voted to adopt the report. The committee said it uncovered additional uncharged and unlawful conduct by Santos that go beyond the criminal allegations already pending against him and would immediately refer these allegations to the Justice Department for further investigation. Wow. So it's worse than we know? (laughs) Whoa. The panel concluded Santos sought to fraudulently exploit every aspect of his House candidacy for his own personal financial profit. Oh, so he's acting like most, especially Republican congressmen? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) The panel said that the conduct of the congressman merits public condemnation, is beneath the dignity of the office, and has brought severe discredit upon the House. No, it hasn't. It has brought severe discredit upon Republicans, who, by the way, 
knew about all his lies before the election and ignored them. As long as he got elected, they didn't care. The committee decided against issuing a subpoena to Santos because of his likelihood to invoke his Fifth Amendment right and that his testimony would have low evidentiary value given his admitted practice of embellishment. (laughs) This is hilarious. Uh, The panel also said Santos did not fully cooperate with the investigation. Gee, what a shock. I, I want you to note the timing of this report, right? The House just adjourned this morning and won't return until the 28th. They timed the release of this report so Republicans could escape questions by the press fleeing to their home states. Oh, uh, I can't wait to see the Sunday news shows about this. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and also, finally, I guess, is this the last story? I think it is. The wife of New Jersey uh, Democratic Governor Phil Murphy is running for Senate in the primary for Bob Menendez's seat. Now, this is really weird. Bob Menendez is fighting federal corruption charges, and Democrats have asked him to step down. He has thus far refused, but if Menendez did step down, the job of replacing Senator Menendez would go to the governor to appoint someone whose wife is running against Menendez. Sitting across from her at the dinner table after Menendez stepped down, is there any way he could not say he was appointing his wife? But if he does, Republicans will call it nepotism. Of course they will. But, okay, she has a history with Republicans. Uh, she grew up a Republican. She made donations to the Republic, to Republican candidates, including George W. Bush and the New Jersey uh, Republican Party. She has stated that she changed political parties in the mid-2000s based on her stances on issues such as abortion, gun control, and the environment. However, the New York Times reported that she continued to vote as a Republican in primary elections until 2014. She voted for Biden in 2020. Eh, Maybe that's where she is. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. Thursday, November 16th, 2023. Man, do I appreciate you so much. It's really nice of you to come. Bring someone with you if you can today or tomorrow. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I'll show up right at the top of the search. You can tweet to me or X to me. Questions, insights, or fights at Cyberclops. C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S on formerly Twitter. And remember... Always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget it. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles.